between. But uh, well, good morning, welcome. It uh, it's always a special thing. Um, not even just preparing, cutting the bread up. Um, just a reminder there, like through our homes and through our day daily, just remembering Christ. And uh, I would almost challenge us too, not just just to remember the cross. And part of me thinks that tradition has kind of narrowed our vision, right, towards just the cross. When we're, when we're called to remember, we're, we're called to remember Him, right? And that's, that's our Old Testament picture. That's what was done on the cross, and that's what's coming <laughs> afterwards. So, I mean, my, my heart is just full as I'm learning that and able to, to present that. And... Uh, I mean, there's so much to remember, <laughs> right? It's just a continual thing. So um, this morning, I, I'm going to pray. Um, just give us a time to get quiet. I found a uh, Phil Wickham song. It's a hymn of heaven. Um, his name is Jesus. Um, I didn't listen to it really closely. Okay, there's a lot of really good, good directions. I, I listened to about the first three minutes of it. Um, but it's the whole picture. Right, so I'm going to ask Lawrence to play that and we'll be able to quiet ourselves. Then I'd like to read through Psalm 22 just to get to the last verse. And that's all about Christ, cross, the King, and uh, then our responsibility when we get that. So yeah, I mean, as we pass out the elements, uh, maybe stick the, the juice in the, in the um, holder in front of you there and just kind of... Um, prepare yourselves that way. Dearly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for just, oh, understanding that this faith that we have is alive. Just as your, your spirit works in our hearts, Lord, as we gather as your people. And uh, I just pray that this morning we would, we would be able to quiet ourselves. Lord, as the Bibles are open, as the music is being played, as we worship quietly, Lord, I pray that we would reflect, we would evaluate, Lord, that we would repent, Lord, we would ask for your cleansing blood upon our lives, and Lord, that we would just uh, remember. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask Neil to come forward and uh, help me out, and Lawrence, if you could press play on that.
never be accused of presenting the king without the cross, will we? Let's just read Psalm, Psalm 22 as we work through it. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? Oh, she's okay, Ann. Just come on. That's okay. Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I am not silent. Part of this you can see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But you are holy, enthroned in praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. 
They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Right, and we see that as they, they mocked him on the cross. But you are he who took me out of the womb, and you made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. Just the enemy and the tension and the pressure on our king. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. Here's his humanity. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax and it is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me, and the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you, you who fear the Lord. Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And this is pictures of the Messianic kingdom. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship, and all those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he cannot keep himself alive. But here's the picture where we find ourselves. Right, we're included in this, these last two verses. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. And part of our remembering is declaring. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And just as Jesus observed that last supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me.
the same way when he was explaining how his body would be broken. Right? He said, do this in remembrance of me. And I can't help but think how many try and do that apart from reading about what, what he did for us. Neil, is there any way you could put a hymn or something on? At some point, just to quiet ourselves. But uh, yeah, take a moment. If you need a moment, have a conversation. Need a conversation. Um, this is a special thing that we do together. the paper that are on there, buddy? Luke chapter 20. The, uh, again, we're just preparing ourselves for um, well, making our way to the Garden of Gethsemane. I had a very interesting conversation with someone, a gentleman last night, one of the fathers of the students, who was just a farmer. And, uh, oh, I just need one, I can come to you. He was just a farmer, no, no formal, you can, hey, hey, you can keep one. Just a farmer, no, no formal teaching. Um, he was sharing how excited he was, he's going to a conference in Toronto that's uh, basically a sermon prep and, and homiletic studies. Never done any of that. But he's preaching twice every Sunday. Right? Not in his own church. He's preaching in a united church. And there's another, another place there that he moves to afterwards. He's got his own circuit, right? And uh, very humbly saying, it's so exciting preaching the gospel. But he goes, I, 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 I'm a very simple person. And he goes, all I, all I do is present Jesus. And uh, that was such a refreshing, refreshing thing for me. 
I mean, it's not lights, it's not shows, it's just simply understanding the word and declaring the gospel. So that's going to be the, the direction that, that we continue to take, even, even for myself, and, and I'll pray, but um, that's all Jesus ever did. I mean, Jesus didn't rhyme or reason or try and attract your attention or try and keep your attention. I mean, he, he presented the gospel. He opened the word and said, look, this is what my father says, right? And yes, he did have signs and wonders and all that different stuff, and <laughs> don't worry, I won't even try that. Uh, you guys will run me out, but, but he, he, he presented his word, and that would be something that I, I just continue to marvel marvel as I learned that. So let me pray and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the songs um, that we just sang, written by people who, um, same thing, were discovering you, discovering your promises, discovering what you say in your word, and, and just learning, learning what that means in real life. And I pray that this morning as we, we read down through this text, um, yes, we would see that the challenge Lord, yes, we would see uh, areas in our lives where we, we don't meet uh, your commands. But Lord, we would also recognize that we're learning these things and that we're being conformed and there is a process to this. And if we're honest with ourselves and we're examined before you, this is an exciting thing. But if there's sin, Lord, if there's, if there's no seeking, Lord, if we, we don't read our Bibles, if we're not seeking to to fellowship with you and with other believers. Lord, there's spiritual deadness. And Lord, that's a serious thing. That's a serious offense before you. And I pray that, that we would be serious with ourselves and that you would just speak through this morning. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. With Luke chapter 20 in front of us, I'm just going to read down uh, verses 1 through 8. Just kind of opening up the environment that Jesus was ministering in. And, and if I was to put a title on this, it would be, Are you discovering the Christ or are you wasting his time? And that may seem pretty bold um, to make the statement, but I mean, Christ is the anointed chosen one, right? He is the king. And I mean, he was coming looking for people to believe, follow in obedience and be his subjects. So again, are you discovering the Christ through the Word, through, through teaching, through seeking further teaching, through studying yourself? Are you seeking the Christ or are you wasting his time? And Luke chapter 20, verse 1 says, Now it happened on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple. What was he teaching from? Old Testament scriptures, right? He was showing these Jewish people that I am the Christ. This is what my father meant. He taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? We'll, we'll pursue that this morning. That the chief priests and scribes together with the elders confronted him. They had a problem with Jesus' teaching. They had a problem with the gospel he was preaching. And spoke to him saying, tell us by what authority are you doing these things? Or who is he who gave you this authority? But he answered and said to them, Right, verse 3, I want you to look at that. I, I, I hope it doesn't, like I, I have a red letter Bible, right? And I see that these next sentences are in quotations, which means that Jesus is saying, the king is saying this. And he says, I also will ask you one thing. This is the religious leaders, right? These are the ones that know their Old Testament scriptures. I will ask you one thing and answer me. 
The baptism of John, John the Baptist, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us, for they are persuaded that John was a prophet. I mean, these authorities had a problem with Jesus' teaching from the Scriptures, had a problem with the Gospel, had a problem, and what were they relying on? It was their own ideas. Their reasoning among themselves. You don't see them going to the Word. You don't see them praying. They're like, no, we have a problem because He's not teaching what, what, what we teach. So verse 7, so they answered that they did not know where it was from. That's a pretty easy scapegoat, isn't it? We don't know where it's from. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And from that, from just, just that last two verses, that idea, are you seeking the Christ this morning? Or are you wasting his time? Because Jesus isn't putting up with foolishness here, is he? You guys, you guys aren't listening. You guys are hardened. You guys would rather rely on your own ideas. You have no desire for what I have to say. I'm not wasting my time. And we see him turn from them. And that's pretty serious and bold. The sermon for this morning, and I just put it in a couple lines here, Jesus did not waste his time with those who would not listen. As Jesus preached the gospel, what was it that made it ineffective in these men's hearts and minds? Because the gospel can be ineffective, can it? Right? It falls on deaf ears, it falls on hardened hearts, it falls on people that have no interest in what Jesus is trying to get across. Preaching the gospel or the word is made ineffective by permissive, meaning that people give themselves permission not to listen. By permissive, willful, they make the decision. Religious, right? Those that, that are just happy with an idea. Right, a concept, just something that we do. This is what we do Sunday after Sunday or in the, in the temple, the synagogue. This is what we've always done. Permissive, willful, religious ignorance. And that ignorance is simply there. The Bibles are closed and no concern for the things of Christ. So otherwise, put it in Jeremy's terms, the idea of permissive, willful, religious ignorance is I don't know. And I don't want to know. <laughs> Right? I don't want to know, and I'm okay not knowing. Keep going. I don't care. But the bottom line here, as Jesus turns from these people, is you will one day when you're standing before the king. Right? You will one day standing before the king. If you believe that the Bible is true, then you will believe that each of us here this morning will be judged. Each of us here this morning will give account for what we did with the biblical truth we hold in our hands right just as the authorities just as the pharisees they will be judged at the great white throne judgment for jesus saying i gave this to you and you did not want it they signed their own card the same way believers at the judgment seat of christ will give answer give account for what we did with the word of God. Again, are we seeking the Christ or are we wasting his time? 
And that is seen in, and I got three words there. It's seen in the seeking. How are you seeking the Christ? How are you seeking to grow? How are you seeking to further your relationship? Are you seeking? It's found in the studying. Right? If you're seeking Christ and this is closed and you're like, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm in Romans 1. Right? I just, I just see God in creation. And that's great. You recognize that there's a creator, but how, how are you living in obedience without his instructions? And that's why the world is the way it is. That's why Catholicism is the way it is. That's why all the, the, say, Anglican and Lutheran and all that, the people don't even bring their Bibles to church. That's why it is the way it is. We know there's a God. Well, that's great. But what is leading your life? What is piercing to the core of our hardened hearts? It's the Word of God. Right? It's not our own ideas. It's always the Spirit through the Word to our spirit that leads us from the, the, the defeating, the, the addictions, and in my case, the, the brokenness from just being human that leads us into that fellowship. The seeking, the studying, and the serving. And I don't think any good student can say that they've learned, <laughs> learned something unless they're putting it into practice. Right? I, I would never hire an apprentice who says they know it all. Right? And that pride, that just doesn't work on the job side. They'll end up getting themselves killed. Right? And if you're, a, if you're a believer, if you're someone who's relying on your own ideas, and, and again with that permissive, willful, religious ignorance, I don't need to know that stuff. And we don't see you seeking, studying. You know what? We probably won't see you serving. Because those truths have not resonated on your heart. And that's how, that's how that spiritual deadness happens in the church like when we read in revelation chapter 2 and 3 jesus is standing at the door knocking at his own church going what's up you guys believe but you don't even know me and that's the serious thing to that luke chapter 12 verse 48 says and just paraphrase i guess to whom much is given much is required Jesus did not waste his time with those who do, would not listen. And again, with our point, are you discovering the Christ this morning in the seeking, the studying, and the serving? Or are you wasting his time? in my notes here I put down their dismissal because many churches that would be it right and we close in a prayer sing a song we've got our 12 minutes in and you go home with your thought and maybe some churches that or maybe maybe that's enough for some But I know I, I was sharing this week that, that I, I get a sick feeling in my stomach when we leave with a thought and we don't understand a text. We don't understand who Christ is and we're not drawn closer. Jesus, the king, did not waste his time with those who would not listen. Looking at the text that's before us, and we'll go on for a little bit longer. 
It says, now it happened on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel. What was he teaching from? He was teaching from the Old Testament scriptures. Right? And that's why the Psalms are so important. That's why the, just understanding what, what the prophets were preaching, and that's why a lifetime of, of studying and seeking and highlighting, and then once, you're, once your Bible starts looking, <laughs> I show the kids all the time, my Bible's a coloring book, isn't it, Holden? Just, just, oh, look at this, look at this. And once you're done, you get a new one and you start over. Right? He was teaching them. He was from the Old Testament scriptures. He was showing them that this, I am the Christ. God has sent me. I'm of God in origin. He, he's fully God. He's from heaven. And he came for God as king. He's standing in the temple. This was a, a place of worship. Do we remember reading Jeremiah 7 about God saying, you guys are coming into my house, my temple. And he's saying, amend your ways. You know, don't, don't trust this whole, oh, we have the house of the Lord, the temple, the temple, the temple. God's going to destroy it. Their hearts were so far and hardened that they, 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 they didn't even know God in fellowship with him. With open scriptures, he continued to explain. And John 20, 31 says, And these things we know are written, that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And I mean, that's the bottom line of the gospel. And he was showing them. It says he preached the gospel. What is Jesus' gospel? Right? Is it just the cross? I say, Josh, is it merely, is, is, that, is that where everything there culminates and that's the end of the story? No, with the open scriptures, Jesus continued to show them. He brought them to Isaiah 52 and 53, and then he led them. And it always says that he's preaching what? He's preaching the kingdom of God. He's preaching the, the big picture to these Jews who have been anticipating it, but got side rail. They got caught up in their own religion. So let's turn to Luke chapter 4. I just want to read through, and, and honestly and trust me, these texts speak for themselves. They're becoming familiar for us. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. But I do want us to recognize that for those that were not seeking the Christ, Jesus did not waste his time with them. Right? He moved on past. When he sends out the 12, right, he tells them, I said, don't, don't, and we'll read it. But Luke chapter 4, just beginning in verse 16, says, So he came to Nazareth, he being Jesus, um, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, Son of Man, um, to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it says there, so he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He comes home. Right? And home can be either a good thing, <laughs> Or coming home can be a bad thing, right? I mean, it's just a lot of, a lot of different things that can go in with that. Uh, so he comes home, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. What do you suppose he was reading from? Daily bread? No, or, or okay, he's reading from the Word. He was reading from the Old Testament Scriptures, all right? He, he has an intent here. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set a liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Who's speaking prophetically in that Isaiah text? Jesus. I'm going to ask you to, to put one more on that. King Jesus. Right? Because Jesus has full authority. They, the Jews were expecting a Messiah king who would come rule on the earthly, earthly kingdom and a messianic kingdom. I'll read it from Isaiah for you. Isaiah chapter 61. It says, and this is what they were anticipating in the Old Testament. This is the the words that Jesus rolled out. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is one of the servant songs, right? The King. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Can we remember when Jesus was anointed? At his baptism, right? When the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The King was anointed why? To preach good tidings to the poor, right? The gospel. Right? The gospel wasn't, at this point, I need a different word, but wasn't merely the cross. It was he is the king. The messianic hope is coming. You may be poor now, but when justice and, and Christ is on his throne reigning, guess what? Blessings, peace, and harmony are coming. Right, the good tidings to proclaim liberty, or pardon, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What's the next part say up on the screen? And the day of vengeance of our God. There's two signs to King Jesus, isn't there? Right? There's the blessing of, of messianic peace. There's blessing of, of just all the blessings of coming to him. But there is a justice and wrath and judgment for those that reject Jesus, the gospel. Right? There's a serious side to that. And that day of vengeance is the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ. So again, we're back to that, that, that principle, that, that title I keep saying. Are, are you discovering the Christ or are you wasting his time? There's a serious side to this. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Because it wasn't just Jesus preaching this, was he? Right? John started, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was preparing the way before the Lord. Um, Jesus takes up the, the same message when John's put in prison, right? Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he sends the 12 out. So then we think of our responsibility as New Testament believers. And again, we don't see this today. I'll be blatant and honest. We don't see this much. But Luke chapter 9, and we'll just pick this up. And again, we're just going to read verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Okay, this was for the apostles, and this was to authenticate the message that they were going to give. Right? They were going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. All right? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. 
Verse 2 says, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. Right? I mean, this is, this is the biblical picture that they've been anticipating. That the king would come and that there is an earthly kingdom that is promised. Right? And we just keep rehearsing that. Yes, Jesus had to die on the cross, but he didn't stay dead, did he? No, they buried him. He rose again on the third day. Uh, and he ascended to be with the Father. And he is anticipating the time where he will call the church to be with himself. Seven years of tribulation. And then he's coming to set up his kingdom. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than merely the cross and what took place at Calvary. Not lessening or, or, or anything there, but it's, it includes more. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not have tunic, two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. So, so set up a base camp. And whoever will not receive you. Do people reject the messengers? Reject the gospel? Reject Christ? And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Again, are you seeking Christ this morning? Or are you wasting his time? I don't see the disciple. I don't see Jesus say, stay there and plead with them. You know, just, just, just keep preaching the, the same thing over and over. Keep teaching them. Keep, keep, just, 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 just. I don't see that. He said, Jesus is like, move on. Move on. So they departed and went through the towns preaching what? The gospel. Right? This is the Christ, the Son of God. Let me show you from scriptures. You need to see this. And you need to understand that I know where he is and he's calling to you. He's calling for disciples. He's calling for subjects. He's calling to use you. I think we'll pause there. Luke Chunny, he's teaching in the synagogue, or he's teaching in the temple, and he's preaching the gospel. I've got one more text here in Luke chapter 10 wasn't enough that he sent 12 disciples out, <laughs> all right? He sends 72 others out. And Luke chapter 10, verse 1. I mean, this is, this is how much the king wanted his nation to hear and how much he wanted his nation to respond Right? He's preaching, he sends 12 out, and this is a pretty big deal. Now he's going to send 70 out. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before the face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. I mean, they're going forward, they're, they're preparing the way. And then he said to them, the king says to these 70, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Why is there always a faithful remnant? Why is it always so few that believe and respond in obedience? Why is that? The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. I mean, the king is still working and looking today for people that will serve him. 
right, that, that will, will, will dig in the word, that are seeking, studying, and serving. The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among the wolves. Right, the people not only they don't want Christ, they don't want the word, they don't want the gospel, they're going to be violent and they're going to reject and they're going to look to, to harm and pressure and fight against you. Carry neither money bag, knapsacks, nor sandals and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. He's saying, offer peace from Christ. Offer, offer this messianic hope. Right? I mean, yes, it's a, it's a greeting, but I mean, for those that believe and are turning to Christ, there's a kingdom promise that comes with that. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. If they, if they step in and they, they respond to your message, then that peace will come upon it says, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you, and heal the sick there and say to them, what's it say? The kingdom of God has come near you. Right, as they're responding to the word, as they're responding to the king's message. But verse 10, whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. You've read it, right? You, you, you've seen it. You, you recognize it's there, but there's a decision to be made and again back to our point repetition are you discovering the christ are you making those decisions is your is your life seeking and, and studying and serving or are you wasting his time because i don't see jesus saying here um, just keep pleading with him just just keep 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 it's a pretty serious serious thing let's turn to luke chapter 20 and we'll land this plane Jesus preached the gospel, but the gospel was never without judgment. The gospel of him being the Christ, the Son of God, right? The gospel, as he's explaining to them, Isaiah 53, um, the good news of salvation, right? Positionally, placing our faith in Christ and stepping into his presence for eternity was never without judgment. And as he taught in the temple here, now it happened on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, there were two sides to that coin. I asked as I was reading through and working through it, just eight verses, why is sharing the gospel so urgent in Luke 20? Why is he in the temple? Why is he, is he, is he continually going to these people? The near prophetic fulfillment is AD 70 is coming. Right, Jesus knows that in 40 years, 600,000 to a million of these Jews, including these men, would be starved to death or crucified on crosses as Rome comes in and, and destroys Jerusalem. 
That's why his gospel and his teaching was so urgent. That's near in context. The far prophetic context would be how we see this. Why is the, the urgency behind evangelism? Why do we plead with our families? Why do we plead with our children? Why, why did my home church confront me in the decisions and the life choices I was making? Because there's two sides to this coin. And the rapture is promised. It's looming over our heads. It can happen at any moment. And the church, everyone who has placed their faith in Christ will be caught up. And then the seven years step into of tribulation. And, and it's a fascinating study, but it's heartbreaking. Because we'll know people that are left behind. We'll know people that, that have not placed their faith in Christ. And God will purge and purify and judge through those things, through that seven years. As Jesus taught from the scriptures and presented the gospel, it was not without judgment. And we recognize this morning that judgment is coming. Right? And I, I don't want us to get caught up in the whole, oh yeah, one day, great white throne. No, judgment is coming. Right? And that, that's what fuels the urgency behind this. And, and when Jesus is teaching here, the urgency is judgment is coming. As Jesus preached national judgment, you read through the scriptures, God promises deliverance, God promises salvation, but it comes through what? Repentance. It comes from turning. Right? It comes from listening to his words and listening to their king and saying, okay, I'm done living like this. Right? I, I'm ready to submit my life to, to, to what you... I mean, God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. I'm the one that has to change. And I'm done with this life. Us as a nation are done living in this disarray. And I could take you on what my week has looked like, just dealing with worldly things. And it's like, what do you expect? If you watch this stuff on a TV, if you, if you teach this stuff to children, if, if this is all consuming, I mean, what do you expect from people? They live in it. But when you're sick of that and you repent and you turn to the king and you say, I'm ready to try and start living this way, guess what? Kind of back to that song, right? Grace. God is always, Jesus is presenting that, but there's two sides. There's always the gospel, this is who I am, and then there's coming judgments. There's coming down these, these authorities. Verse 2 says, they spoke to Jesus, their king, and I still don't know how that conversation will go later. Right at the great white throne. <laughs> you imagine they're standing there and be like, Jesus is going to be on his throne and be like, you guys crucified me. You rejected me and crucified me. I, I, just, I know we'll be there. Maybe I don't want to be there. I don't know. But, um, but they spoke to him saying, almost like a teenager. Right? I mean, tell us by what authority are you doing these things? I mean, Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the king. He's standing in his own house in the temple. Right? And they're like, whose authority are you saying those things? Or who is he who gave you this authority? We got time. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Who gave Jesus the authority? His father did. Yeah? Yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 18. All right. 
as the, the, the temple authorities are saying, now who, who, what right do you have? And again, with that picture of teenagers, you know, who made you boss? Well, I'm the parent. <laughs> I, God gave me that authority. This is the model. You know, you gotta, I gotta suck her up, princess, and, and, and deal with this. This is how it works. But Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, and this is the Torah. I mean, this is, this is the, the, the bottom line, right from even before they enter into the promised land, they were anticipating a new prophet. They were anticipating someone who would intercess and mediate before God. And, and why do we use those words with Jesus as mediator, intercessor? Because he was promised, right? All the way back in the Old Testament. Verse 15 says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, right? And Moses was the intercessor. Moses went up, Moses went up the, the, the mountain. Moses came down with the law. I mean, he went back and forth. I mean, he was the go-between. But they knew someone else was going to come that was going to be the new go-between. It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. According to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. Moses was their go-between. It was too much to come directly into God's presence. Right? So God gave him Moses, and he promised that he would send a new prophet. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good, and I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words right god the father's words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that i command him and it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name i will require it of him as the the pharisees they're asking what authority now who's giving you these words all right and jesus all along has said they're my father my father has. And it goes on to explain there that they're, they're to question that authority. I mean, again, Jesus is not going to waste his time here. He's told them repeatedly, I am the Christ. My father has sent me. He's doing signs and wonders. He's raising the dead to authenticate his message. And, and here we go again. I mean, it's just, are you seeking Christ or are you wasting his time? And as we finish this text in Luke 20... He answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Are you really trying to understand this? I mean, it was pretty blatant as John preached and people left the temple and left Judaism. They knew it was the word of God that was being preached. These men reasoned among themselves and we know that the scriptures weren't opened here. Right? Otherwise, there would have been a different conclusion. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe in him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us, for they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it was from. And Jesus said to them, There's two sides to that coin. Did he plead with them? Did he beg with them? Did he just say, like, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll rehearse this matter again. We'll, we'll come back. No, what's he say? Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So in conclusion, Jesus does not waste his time with people who, as they hold the Scriptures, even if they're closed, 
right? Doesn't waste his time with people who don't know and don't care. If they're hardened and indifferent to what Jesus is trying to get across to them, he's moving on. Right? I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to, to, to sit here and, and, and argue and plead with you. These people would proceed, right? And these, these, these Sanhedrin, these rulers with their own ideas reasoning among themselves, they would proceed to follow the preachers and teachers of the gospel in opposition. You read that all through the New Testament. They would follow them. It wasn't enough that they opposed Jesus. It wasn't enough that they crucified Jesus. They had to hinder the teaching of the gospel. They had, to, they had to push against it. They had to have their own ideas in there. I mean, they were a royal pain in the butt for anyone there that was sharing the gospel. They wanted them to stop teaching the word of God. We don't, we don't want this. We want, want you to teach our way. We want to teach you the, the rabbinic religious way. They wanted them to stop preaching. They wanted to teach our ideas our ways. And I asked the question, in those moments, who's behind that? Satan is. Right? The hindering of the gospel, hindering of the teaching of the word. We don't want this. Satan is behind that. And this is the world that we live in. I asked the question, why are churches spiritually dead today? And I mean, it's, it's, it's no secret. I mean, it, pastorally church, I mean, I get all the emails. I mean, they're, they're trying to reinvent the book to try and bring a revival. And I mean, there's just really only one way that that's going to happen. Why are churches spiritually dead? It's because of the permissive religious ignorance. People have given themselves permission to religiously follow Christ. And that's with closed Bibles, and they have no desire to seek the king, and they're wasting his time. All who hold the word of God hold a responsibility that they will be judged for. So again, we're to the conclusion this morning. Are you discovering the Christ? Are you discovering your king? Are you, are you developing? I tell my students as, as I just read scripture with them, are you falling in love with Christ? Or are you wasting his time? Bold, serious, but definitely needed in this today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we recognize that, Lord, we need to be reminded. Lord, most of the time we need to return. Um, Lord, it's just so easy to get away from where we know we need to be. It's so easy to make decisions that lead us uh, into a year, five years, ten years, twenty years, hundred years. Lord, and it just, it just, that's part of life. That's part of our humanity. But Lord, you don't change. And your scriptures are very, very clear that every born-again believer will stand before you and be judged for how they live before you in obedience. And Lord, today, that can, <laughs> today, the seeking, studying, and serving, Lord, today that, that repentance and, and just being revived, that, that awakening can begin. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for a number that, that have just come alive, Lord, to the need to discover you. And it's not just knowing stuff, Lord, it's knowing you. And Lord, we think of the conversations from the hospitals to the 
to, to the job sites, to the, the lumber yards, Lord, just the conversations that arise from being awakened. And Lord, I pray that if there's any in this room, Lord, that just needs to do business, that needs to just define themselves in that repentance and, and falling in love with you again back in fellowship. Or if there's any in this room there that, that really is truly wasting and hindering just the, the furtherance of the gospel in your teaching, Lord, I, I pray that there would just your spirit would work. And I pray that, that just as, as the teens respond as newborn, newborn babes, I mean, not even believers yet, but they recognize that, that there is something different when the Bible is opened. Lord, that you would just renew that in our hearts and this church would come alive and that we would find ourselves just in that exciting season of life. We thank you for your patience and grace and uh, we thank you that we don't do this alone. We have you, we have your spirit, and we have each other. And I pray these things in your name.